Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Forever Blue Shirts radio podcast powered by foreverblueshirts.com. As you just heard JL say, but we need to say it or else the <laughs> well, boss It's repetitive. I mean, uh, I was actually going to say the same thing. No, we don't. say it like so close. No, we don't. Well, we podcast. repeat it because Anthony's old and he doesn't. He can't listen well. So. Wait, did they say it? I don't remember. I can't. Powered I, by. I can't hear powered. it. Can somebody get me my medication? What? <laughs> what are they selling? So, uh, yes, we are powered by foreverblueshirts.com. And as always, joining me this week as he sips his wine in his little mug, Kevin, how are you? It's it's just a it's just a you know a, a small wine glass. It's nothing crazy. It's not a mug, but you know I'm you good. guys can't see it. But Kevin is drinking an entire bottle by himself right now. Yeah, and, I mean uh... quarantine for days. <laughs> am I right, boys? JL, oh, how God. goes it, man? How are you? The life of an essential worker drives you insane, and I haven't gone insane yet, but I'm getting there. Hello, and how are you doing? <laughs> we are. I'm, I'm doing well. It looks like we all have smiles on our faces, even though this whole thing kind of sucks, and we're on day 957 without hockey. Just an but exaggeration. Okay. Just slight, just slight. Like, just slight it, I think it's actually day 47. Um, but really? It feels no. Like that's what... That's what that's what Colin said on Twitter today. Okay. Day 47 without hockey. Well, it's okay. a lot, and we miss hockey. It's so That's much. what it comes down to. So we got three things we're going to talk to you guys about today. Kevin is going to start us off on this first one. Recently, if you guys have heard, Matt Zuccarello has been making some very, very angry comments toward the New York Rangers organization about the way he was, quote-unquote, treated when he was traded to the Dallas Stars uh, two seasons ago. Kevin. Kick us off with Zook's somehow uh, vengeance against There's the Rangers. There's so many quotes, but I think I'm just going to start off with these two words. It's disrespectful. He told VG, which I believe is another media outlet. Um, he is getting older, yes, and they have another good goal, good keeper in Igor Sesjorkin. But then they could let him play the games he doesn't play. Which, okay, I get it. That's the role of a backup. But... Zuccarello is angry because he got the short end of the stick also. He also said, I never thought it would happen to me either. In my eyes, I was about to end my career with the Rangers. I think Hank would too. Everything was going to be fine and great, but then management decided something else, and then you are not worth a damn. Now, bold claims coming from Zuccarello is just, you know, you're going to be bitter. You're getting traded away from the only team that you know. It, it, it hurts. I, I'm sure he, he was very upset when he got traded to Dallas. But, you know, this is a business through and through. And I understand everybody was upset when Zuccarello got, got traded. It's just they're not going to trade Hank. It's just they they realize what their priorities are. And it's training these younger goaltenders to be better because Hank isn't going to be here past next year. So, Russ, like, do you think that Zuccarello's comments are warranted? Or do you think they're just, you know, he's just over-exaggerating because of what happened to him? 
Um, I mean, this is a thing where you have to look at uh, ownership, teams, and athletes um, in a way that there's no true loyalty anymore. And as they say, uh, the famous saying, if Wayne Gretzky can trade it, get traded, anybody can get traded. So you're looking at a case where the Rangers decided that it was time to rebuild the roster and it was time to reshape things because what they had was not working. Now, Zuccarello... I understand why he's upset. He wanted to finish his career here. He thought he was going to finish his career here. But at the same time, he was at an age and he was going to demand a contract that the Rangers were not willing to pay him. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. You can be angry that the Rangers didn't want to pay you, but don't be so angry at an organization that has paid you, maybe a little less, but brought you into the NHL, had faith in you, you were a key contributor on numerous cup runs, and... You go out now, Zuccarello, after you get all this money, and now you say all this stuff about the New York Rangers. Now, I'll never fault a player for going out and getting his bag. People want their money. You're not in the sport long. Make as much as you can for whatever team wants to pay you. Okay? Fine. The Rangers and Zuccarello had a great relationship for a lot of years. And, yes, they traded him. And, yes, it didn't end the way he wanted. But I don't think it's fair of him to say that they gave up when they gave it every single shot they had to win a cup with all the vets like Hank and McDonough and Brass and him when they yeah, were all here. Yeah, definitely. Like, they, they, they won the Eastern Conference. They yeah. won a President's Trophy with him. You know, you could even make the argument without him when he got hit in the head from a Ryan McDonough slap shot, they probably could have made the cup that year also. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, to have all these bitter feelings and you're justifying it because of somebody else leaves a very bad taste in my mouth only because it's just you could have said this when you got traded you could have said this when they didn't want to resign you in the offseason you could have said this before the trade deadline but you chose to say it during i'm going to consider this like a lockout kind of thing like a precautionary lockout during this like lockout of sorts and you're saying this about a different player to be like hey they treated me badly it's like it's a business See the you thing. can't keep you can't keep everybody. That's the that's, <laughs> if you could keep everybody. If there was no salary cap like it used to be, then yeah, he's still here. Absolutely, he's a playmaker. It's just you wanted five years of a deal that the Rangers, you knew that they were going in a different direction. You wanted to stay around for five years during a rebuilding team. It, it, hey. You can't justify that. And it's not even just the Rangers. Like the Dallas Stars didn't want to give him the bag either. It just so happens the Minnesota Wild took the chance. All right. See the thing. The thing that gets me upset is these players know it's a business and mm-hmm. they themselves mm-hmm. know that they have to go and acquire the bag as us New York and New Yorkers and New Jersey folk would like to affectionately say. Um, I've never said that until Russell <laughs> just said it five times in that sentence. Gotta get that bag, my guy. Gotta get Anyways, that bag, my guy. Um, no, but, you know, it, it does. if Zuccarello had stated, oh, I'm willing to take this amount of money and stay with the Rangers for like less amount of years, then I would have seen these comments as like, okay, well that's merited because he would have given them a hometown discount and he would have said, okay, fine, we'll work this out. But no, he wanted money. There's nothing wrong with trying to get the money that you want. But then getting mad that they traded you because one, you're on the decline, and two, your contract demands are ridiculous compared to what the team is going through. It's a business. They know this. Everybody knows this. And and another thing, okay? 
the New York Rangers treat their players so well. They treat them we- arguably arguably one of the best organizations in the world when it comes to treating their players. Sean Avery, perfect example, says this in his book and in a lot of interviews. He says that the Rangers are always treating their players very well when it comes to the, 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 the um, rink conditions, cost of living, whatever, whatever the Rangers do, players always want to come back. So you're telling me that now because they just decided to not do what you wanted to do, you're upset because... Uh, they did you dirty, yet they basically gave you every resource and money needed to not only be the richest you can be in your life, but also give you the best opportunity to win championships and put you with some of the best players in the world. Really, it gets to a point where you just have to say, "Come on, don't you're you're not gaining any sympathy." Maybe to the people who don't really know much, but you're not gaining any sympathy. It's sports; it happens. Get over it. It, it, this is all going to be moot when he retires and then they bring him back to Madison Square Garden to drop the puck and we're all going, Zook! Yeah. You know? Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, give, because give it, give, it, give it five years. Zuccarello had his... Yeah, Zuccarello had his best years as a Ranger. The Rangers treat their players exceptionally. Players are going to get traded. It's a business. They all know this. He wanted to get the bag. Somebody gave him the bag. And now he's in Minnesota with the bag, but not in New York. Deal with it. Again, just going back to the Hank situation, he's not... Which, what, which Zuccarello shouldn't well. say anything about. He Zuccarello, wasn't look. playing well at the time. Georgiev was making majority of the starts, and then you bring up Igor, which was expected either this year or next year because he's younger, he's on a better team-friendly contract, and it's just the fact that if, if Henrik Lundqvist was playing lights out and then they started doing this to him, Zuccarello is 100% justified to be like, it's disrespectful. He's not the all-star goalie that we remember him to be. He's getting older. And, and remember, Hank was offered the chance to leave multiple times. Yep. And he, went and he stay. didn't take it. And he stayed. It was his decision to stay. It's, and it, it, it's it, not like they're like, no, no, we're not trading you. I don't care exactly. about your demands. Yeah. And they said, hey, you want to go? Go. But he's like, no, I want to stay. Like, fine. That's your choice. And which they abided by. It's not like they were trying to trade him. No. They would have like traded they're... him. They would have found him a good place to go if he did want to be traded. I'm sure they also would have like lost that deal, too. Oh, absolutely. For him. It would have been yeah. like, we'll eat half the cap and we'll take like a B-level prospect if you want him to win you a championship, which they could have got. He could have gotten. But he said no. So, I mean, look, I think this is more of a case of Zuccarello being a little bitter about how things ended. And obviously, you know, you can be. But, You're allowed to be. But, but don't you can't say be bitter about things. somebody yeah. else's situation if you didn't take all the opportunity to be like, I want five years. Let's settle at four. Do you think they did it? Maybe. I want X amount of money. I'll, I'll settle for ten percent less. That didn't happen. No, no it did they not. weren't entertaining deals for him because it's like you're asking for way too much. Our price is here. Your price is there, and it's just we can't meet in the middle because you won't budge. But this also goes to show how firm the Rangers are on their commitment to winning, and that relationships not relationships do matter. But it all mm-hmm. depends on at the price or the, 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 the way the relationship comes. Perfect example of a Rangers taking a chance on something is Chris Kreider. The Rangers felt with that extension that not only his skill set are deemed important to the club, but also his personality and the way he's able to relate to the younger players, his leadership qualities, this and that and the fourth. That's not to say that Zuccarello's leadership qualities were not valued. It's just that you look at a guy like Kreider, who is still playing at an exceptionally high level after all his years, to Zuccarello. Zuccarello, who, even though he was having 
a pretty good season with Zibanejad. It was him, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich on that first line before the deadline last year. And mm-hmm. while they were playing well, you could see the beginning of a decline in his play style. So not only that, he's older and he's worn out a lot more. So ultimately, at the end of the day, the Rangers had to make a decision. I love Zook. He's one of my favorite players of all time as a Ranger, but he's not worth the money that he is right now. And he just needs to put a sock in it and just deal with it. He's got his money. And not to say that it's all about the money because that's a bit too uh, surface, but you got what you wanted. You're alive. You're healthy. You had some of the best years of your career here. Stop crying and get used to it. That's it. Yeah. Before we move on, like we don't know what actually happened. He might've been able to, he might've actually said, I'll settle. And the Rangers are like, no, we're trading you. So we have to take this with a grain of salt. But yeah. the fact that he still came out and was commenting about this is just not in good taste. No, but also, and then one last point, I guess, because I, I just really want to say this. I, if the Rangers really wanted to keep someone, they'd find a way to keep them. That, 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 that they, they, made, they, they always... They would have backloaded a contract. They would have thrown in bonuses. They would have done yes, something to keep the Yes, the Rangers here. always know how to keep a player around. They always know when to keep a player around, exactly. So Gotta, gotta love bonuses. Oh, again, yeah. Going, again, going back to Chris Kreider, it's a perfect situation. We already know there were packages offered for Chris Kreider at the draft, before the deadline, and at the deadline. It's no secret that there's a lot of teams that wanted to add Chris Kreider. But the Rangers said, you know what? We see how far along we are here in this rebuild. We see what Adam Fox is doing. We see what Artemi Panarin is 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 just how the effect he is having on the team. We see the emergence of Mika Zibanejad. Why would you take away Kreider when you could keep that piece there when the Rangers are making a run? So if the Rangers were maybe a little closer when Zook was here, maybe we're talking about a different story. But like these guys are saying, at the end of the day, Zook made his choice. You don't really have the right to say what he's saying right now. I'm sorry. I think Zook is in the wrong here. Well, it is what uh, it is at this point. So. Yeah, it's what it is. We're all, we're also talking about a Minnesota Wild player right now. So no, I think I <laughs> think the I think Minnesota Wilds are a little irrelevant. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and at least until Kirill Kaprizov decides to come over, but who knows if he's ever gonna do that? Anyways, um, hey, anyways, there's other news. Surprisingly, there's other news. Um, <laughs> hockey. If you, if you believe certain people, if you believe certain reporters, if you believe ex players, hockey may just be coming back soon. In Different capacity, of course, but it still might be coming back. Uh, Ex-NHL All-Star MVP John Scott (laughs) has gone on record saying that the NHL, he's heard that the NHL will restart on June 1st. Again, take it with a grain of salt. That is what John Scott has said. No one else has really reciprocated that timeline. Um, And the NHL has also been thinking about kind of moving all the teams to two to three to four cities, depending on what they can uh, compiled together where teams will compete without fans on same ice, uh, five, six different games going on a day in different areas to try to finish out the regular season. JL, get us up to speed. What is going on in terms of the season restart? So as we already know, John Scott basically blew the lid on everything. It hasn't been confirmed by the NHL yet, but basically the NHL wants to attempt to restart the season on June 1st, with training camps open opening around May 15th. Gary Bettman has gone on record, and I think Bill Daly has also gone on record too, saying that the best-case scenario for everyone is to resume the season. And to be frank, outside of that 24-game playoff, I think that's the best option. And they've Absolutely. Al- and they've also expressed that they are willing to uh, go into the fall months 
to conclude the season and the playoffs and then have a, a truncated uh, offseason in a sense and then start sometime at the end of this calendar year. So the obviously the CDC is recommending that uh, everything kind of starts to go into progress in May. And I think they're discussing certain locations. I think they, they, they discussed like North Dakota at one time because that's where one of the one of the junior games were were, uh, were were held at one point. But then I think they're looking at places that are not exactly hardest hit by the coronavirus. So you're thinking places like Texas, Toronto, Columbus, anywhere that's not here in New York. Um, places with big open yes, there a dense population. Yeah, they're looking basically to try and utilize those cities uh, for the remainder of the season and then I guess adapt as they go along and not only that but also um, monitor and uh, monitor the players and the travel just so that the spread of the virus doesn't um, exacerbate itself the, the I, I find it interesting because you know we've only been in this for just about 50 days now it seems like forever but um, really it hasn't been and it seems like we've gotten a lot of progress on what we know about the virus how it travels how it is and even though we're not out in the open yet it seems as if now everyone's starting to try and go back to uh, trying to go back to some form of normalcy and the nhl is one of those cases i think it's not a bad idea you know without any fans in attendance you know you monitor the players you see what they do how they go along with it try and prevent the spread of the the virus and maybe just try and you know, give something the American people to watch, but uh, and the Canadian people, you know, too. But it all depends on how safe and how big of a risk or how low of a risk this can be. Because the again, th- the second wave of the Spanish flu is what killed the most people. And I hate exactly. to I, I I hate to be the one I hate to say that, but that's it's just historical fact. So when in when in turn you're trying to do something like this, you have to factor in asymptomatic people you have to think about people with pre-existing conditions like you look at capo caco for example he has uh, diabetes you know um players who have pre-existing conditions people who are asymptomatic like i said and you have to be careful with like the surrounding areas the spread where these players are going so you it's 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 murky but if you do it right you could potentially pull it off and i like it and i'm curious to think kevin you have a very puzzled look on your face uh i, I mean it, just what do you think you think it's like a feasible plan or 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 not i mean i think it's a decent plan they just have to go about it the right way as as vague and cheesy as that well, sounds you also got to think there so ant actually did write a post about this today april 27th so obviously, when you do hear this, things might have changed. I just want to put the timestamp there so everybody knows. Um, he has a quote from an executive that the Ottawa Sun talked to, and you know, comparing the playoffs for this season and the start of the next season, he says it's vastly different trying to open up next season without fans. You could play made-for-TV playoffs because the players have already been paid, and they don't get money for the playoffs. But try to open up next season with no fans makes no sense. So. While you do have like this restart of the season, whether it just be the 2014 playoff or you, you know, you actually finish the season and you actually end it in September for some reason. If you're going to try to start next season without any fans, the players like like there's no there's no offset for their salaries. Like there's nothing like actually giving them the revenue that they need to be paid. So the way Gary Bettman should be approaching this and, you know, it's great that, you know, 
John Scott said what they what everybody wanted to hear. Where it's like June first, this is when we're starting. It's not May yet, so it's like a, a month could change things. Where we could be at, we could already miss the curve. We could be going down, and we could hit the bottom by May twentieth. And then they're like, okay, two weeks or so our weeks, and then we really start on June fifteenth or something like that. So anything's possible. It's just, it's not just this season. Because if you want NHL to resume, you have to do it correctly. And if they want to take precautions to make sure their stars don't get sick or any player doesn't get sick, they have to be very careful with their next course of actions. It's just, I think everybody wants hockey. They want good news. But you can't jump the gun with this kind of stuff. No, you can't. It's like, I understand it's frustrating. Like, you're stuck inside. There's nothing to distract you, which sports is a very good outlet to distract you from your life. It's like, you could have a great life and want sports as an outlet that could be your therapy in a way. You could have a very bad life, and this is the only good thing that's happening right now and keeping you going, going to work every day. It's like, oh, I got to see, you know, I got to watch my team play, and they won, yay, or they lost. Oh, I get to complain about it all day. But it's it's hard to, you know, justify bringing something that's not essential back. As as bad as this sounds, sports, entertainment as a whole, not is not an essential thing for the world well it may be essential for the economy and maybe essential for people's psyche it's not essential for you to live you do not need sports to wake up the next day and also to interject as well um you can interject your <laughs> oh thank you i, I appreciate right. your permission kevin <laughs> well you know what that's it russell your turn <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but, no no let but, the man talk, right, the but, talk. I know, I know, yeah. you know it, i Oh man, you know it, it's interesting to put that in perspective because you talk about how they're going to deal with the following season. This is something we don't know anything about this this virus. So tomorrow, wishful thinking, we can wake up and they'll have a vaccine, you know. But I I do understand what you're saying. But ultimately, we have to find a way to regain some normalcy. But it has to be done the right way, like you said. Um, in terms this, of it, this season can do that if they want to end the season with no fans and they want to do playoffs they're okay to do that they're fine yeah. they're ready to go but they can't rush the gun when it comes to next season no for the next season no they absolutely cannot and i think the best case scenario is to play through the summer months go into the fall play everything out as scheduled and then start everything in january Kind of like what happened in 2013 when the lockout happened. You basically just do that. No all-star game, no bye weeks. You go from January to April. It's about 40-something games. 48 games. 40, 48 game yeah. season. Yeah. It's possible. They've done it before. And you not only are you basically allowing you know, us to recover or the people to recover and potentially go to games next year, but you're also going to reset the cycle again and start everything fresh for the following season. So when Seattle gets into the league, they won't be hit with anything different instead of just, okay, we got to pick these players and we start with a normal schedule. So I think that would be the best course of action if they were to go about doing it. You start the season mid-June, late June, you play through the spring, or even the spring, you play through the summer, and the with the fall months and then towards the end of the year you have your off season like a half of a month or a month give players time to rest go back and then you come back at the end of january it's ba- it'll basically be like you're going back to college basically so you and then you have a break at the end of the year and then you go back at the end of january and you 
bust through all of next year. You end in April, June. You hit July on the normal deadline, and then basically you start the next season after that normal. I like it. Care to, care like to, it. Care to expand on I that, like Russell? It, I, like it. <laughs> I do, actually, yeah. Um, so, like they've both been saying, it's a very tricky situation. You need to make sure health health comes first. And I like that JL brought up Capo Caco, uh, you know, because people have diabetes and people have health problems and people have heart issues. And, you know, these are the type of people you need to be the most careful of, the pre-existing conditions. So if you can make it safe for them, that is the number one goal that the NHL needs to realize here. Obviously, no fans are going to be stands for these games. Obviously, the ice probably won't be in the best condition because you're having so many teams play on in a day. And this is not optimal. But if they really, truly want every team that's in the playoff hunt to have a shot, this is the way it's got to be. This is what we're going to have to deal with. And the NHL better make sure that it's safe as can be or there's going to be a lot more problems down the road. So I hope this comes back. We all hope that hockey comes back in some fashion and hopefully the Rangers get into the playoffs. But the point is it has to be done right. As both of these guys are saying, it has to be done safe. And at the end of the day, you need to make sure that this is the right decision and we're not rushing things for the sake of rushing things. Not just pray for a vaccine. That's all you exactly. have to think about. So hopefully a vaccine for this comes out sooner rather than later. But for the time being, this is what we need to deal with, and hopefully the NHL makes the right decision here. Um, I do agree with JL, though. I think that would be good to having a shortened season next year. And then in 21-22, you, you go back to normalcy. Uh, we'll see what the NHL decides to adopt. Um, who knows really how the next few weeks are going to go. It's a lot of speculation from a lot of different people. But if May 15th training camp opens, June 1st we get hockey back, I'd be pretty okay with that. That'd be awesome. I'd be pretty okay with that. And moving on to our third topic of the day, um, this is something pretty interesting that I brought up to the guys before, and they think it would be fun to talk about here, so we're bringing it up. Uh, NHL player agent Kirk Overhart explained that to deal with kind of China, you know, the, the loss of uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Revenue? I guess just money. Yeah, there we go. Revenue. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Money. Yes. Revenue. As a whole. So to kind of help with the loss of revenue, and not just the loss of revenue, but to kind of play star, pay star players what they deserve to be paid, and kind of helping teams retain talent, he has come up with a plan to help NHL teams keep their star players. This this plan and this rule is known as the exception player rule. And it's fascinating to think of what would happen if the NHL adopted it, and we're going to go over it right now before we debate about it, what exactly is the exception player rule. Now, the NHL's exception player rule, if implemented, would be each team would be allowed to designate one exception player whose salary would be excluded from the cap total as well as the share of the revenue split, meaning they would essentially exist outside the current system. This would be an opt-in system, and it would be up to each team to decide whether or not they'd want to use it. There would be no minimum salary requirement for an exception player, and the goal would be for teams to attract and retain their elite talent. If a small market team decides not to use an exception player exemption, they would be eligible for a luxury tax charged to teams that do use it. Exception players can be acquired through free agency, the draft, and trades. They would not have to be originally drafted by the team tagging them as exceptions. Hmm. Okay. So 
This is a very interesting rule where a player would essentially exist outside the cap and outside of revenue sharing. So a team like the New York Rangers, a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, you're looking at your top star players, Artemi Panarin, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid. If those teams so decided, they could just take them out, make them the exception player, and all of those franchise we the Rangers would immediately save over eleven and a half million. The Edmonton Oilers would immediately save over twelve million. The Toronto Maple Leafs would would save, I'm not sure what Austin Matthews' exact cap total is, but easily over ten million. Okay? Now, for those that don't know, or for those that are not huge into the other uh, three of the big four of sports in America. The NBA, the MLB, and the NFL, their top players all make a ridiculous amount of money compared to the National Hockey An League. exorbitant amount of money. An a exponential huge... amount of money now, increased. Jail, in the NHL, who is the highest paid player? Oh, jeez. It's probably Panarin or McDavid, probably. Panarin comes in second to Connor McDavid's Connor 12, McDavid, and a half. 12 and a half. So you're close, yes. Connor McDavid makes 12 and a half million I a year. I, I said McDavid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. Um, in 1999-2000, Yarmir Yager was the highest paid player, and he made $10.4 million. Oh, good so grief. That's oh. only, that is only an increase oh of about $2 million over the past 20 years. Now, we take a look at other teams and other franchises – Mike Trout will be making almost $40 million a year on his new deal. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton gets a dumb amount of money from the New York Yankees. And the NBA, you're seeing guys getting supermax deals of $200 million over five. Now, there's a problem here in terms of how NHL players are not exactly paid what they should be owed. Salary cap. Six, salary right, cap. That's the, that's the only reason what it is, the salary cap. To the NHL and also those three so before, yeah. before we get into the big debate, if this was implemented, do you think the sales out to both of you? We'll start with JL, then we'll go to Kevin. If this was implemented in the NHL for next season, the exception player rule, is this bad for the NHL? Is this good? And what would this mean going forward for teams that draft elite talent or want to sign elite talent? JL? Begin. Well, thank you. Begin, I'm, 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 I'm glad it. I needed your permission, uh, Russell. Um, this is only a good idea due to the circumstances that surround the the situation that's going on right now. Um, you want to be able to keep teams together. You want to be able to keep players together. It's a good temporary solution. It's not a good long-term solution. Um if the Rangers wanted to make additions or something happened and they were able to put Panarin on this list, then yeah, they they would be able to do it and it would be it would help them immensely because then they could still keep Henrik Lundqvist in some form or manner. I don't know why they would, but then they would also be able to go forward with Stahl still and write out their contracts and maybe hold out for a deal. But this doesn't really bode well for those big money teams. That's the thing. You have to remember... Not every team is going to be able to pocket that kind of money. As I explained in a podcast earlier or previously, the one of the reasons why the Rangers were able to afford Artemi Panarin is because James Dolan was able to go into his checkbook and offer the bonuses off the book. You know, the Minnesota Wild can't do that, or the the Florida Panthers can't do that. 
You know, these this money ties directly straight into the owners. And since there's no real lo- no real luxury tax in the NHL, you know, you you know, I know Kevin was alluding to this, but you look at the revenue streams between the NHL, the Major League Baseball, NFL, and the NBA. You know, the NHL's making peas compared to those other leagues. So obviously, the reason why the teams are in quote unquote financial struggle is because or your or the players' salaries are low is because the NHL doesn't generate that as much money as those other leagues. So you're only looking at an increase of two million from Yager to McDavid. But that being said, as a temporary solution that would be good. But again, it should only be temporary because then it kind of really defeats the purpose of having a salary cap later on down the line. Because then you could say Okay, well, the New York Rangers could just do what they used to do before and just sign everyone. You know, oh, hey, look, there's Taylor Hall. Okay, and there's this guy. Okay, so now we get to allocate our cap. Okay, well, I have James Dolan has the money for it, so I'm going to take Panarin out and pay him out of my pocket and then throw another seven mil to Taylor Hall or whatever and then just run beast all over the league. But a team like the San Jose Sharks or the Florida Panthers, they said they, they, they just can't do that. So. It's only good for a temporary solution. Kevin, you look like you're getting ready to chop at the bit there. Well, I was waiting until you, you were done. Well, there you go. I will, I will go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Um, you also got to think about it in like a general manager standpoint because you get these guys with exceptional, exceptional status. And let's say you're paying Artemi Panarin, I don't know, $25 million a year. Something extreme like that. Something out of out of the price range of any other GM in the league. Let's say down the line you're still making twenty five million, he's still exceptional. It's like, you know what? We want to rebuild. Not saying this is gonna happen, but now you have to trade him. What team, number one, can take that kind of contract? Number two, they most likely have to take it off the books because why would you want it to be a fifth of your of your of your, you know, salary cap just for one player? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it wouldn't work in that sense unless there's some rule saying, like, if you want to trade him, he has to agree that his contract goes down X amount of dollars. They'll never so, agree to that, though. No, I, I like the idea of having, the having like, this revenue stream of players that deserve the money, they get it, and it's, like, it's off the books so you can actually make a good team around it. But like you said, JL, it's just it's not fair to other teams. This is why the salary cap was made. Yeah. So teams yep, like New York... Right like Chicago, like Detroit, like L.A. or Boston, teams with huge markets with other, most likely multiple, like, you know, one guy owns multiple teams, so he's getting revenue from all of them. He's not going to he's not gonna care if he has to pay one guy an extra $10 million because he could afford it, where a guy in, you know, maybe even, if you want to say Dallas, isn't as huge as a hockey place as, you know, here or Boston. It's just like, I can't afford $25 million for this player. So I lose every single time. But, okay, your face, whatever, Russell. I know you want to say <laughs> Dallas is a big market team, but whatever. It's just, I was just using an example. Oh, no, it's no, not, I, 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 that's not why I made that face. You, the Debbie Downer squad over no, here. No, it's right, not well, Debbie Downer. It's not, it's not Debbie Downer. I'm going to tell you both why this is an amazing, why this is an amazing It's idea. realistic. It's a terrible idea for the rest of the league no, 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 besides no, no. Listen, the original listen, six. Listen, listen here, listen. Not this even original why, six. This is why it can be a good idea. This is why it can be a good idea. Small market teams, right? Yo, everyone, small market teams fail. Small market teams, hey, small market teams, okay, yeah, fine. 
small market team. But it's true. All right. Yeah. Now, let's, true, let's true, see here. Small market let's teams. see. Now, a team like, okay, let's say, for instance, here. The Columbus Blue Jackets? Fine. The Columbus, let, let's use the Columbus Blue Jackets as an example. The here. Arizona Coyotes. Right? <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets couldn't afford to keep both Panarin, Bobrov. I mean, I shouldn't even say both. Uh, Panarin, Bobrovsky, Ryan Dezingle, and who was the uh, Matthew Shane? We're all part of that big exodus from Columbus. Um, if this is in place, I think I think the way you can look at it also is this way: maybe they can sign one of them, and then you take another one that you wanted to sign, and that would be the exception player. Maybe it's not a course of okay, let's work some things around to see if we could do it because then affording one of them, that's easy. Because then you can take a second one and put them in the exception player. And that could actually maybe help small market teams in retaining their talent. Because think about it. A lot of times the guys, when you get to that age, 27, 28, sometimes even 20, 25 maybe, you want the money. You want to get paid for your prime years. You want to get paid going into your 30s before you hit that 34, 35, 36-year-old contract. And you're not getting the term. You're not getting the money you want. Now, I understand where you're getting, Russell. No need to you know interrupt. But... It would make more sense if if they were an RFA, if they were allowed to sure, be exceptional. No, sure, and, now, and you, that's if you have a UFA no, like Panarin at the time in, in the exception rule, there doesn't seem to be anything against if they are an RFA. No, no. It's but what I'm trying to say is it should be limited to an RFA because what's stopping this player, like Artemi Panarin, from going right. to the Rangers, the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, the Blackhawks, you know, the Bruins, and being like. What money do you want to offer me? What money do you want to offer me? You could go as high as you want. And sure. then he's getting paid upwards of $30 million. And I'm not saying this is the scenario, but there's always a chance that he might get hurt. And they're still on, like, they can't get rid of that salary. Because no sure. team's going to be like, yeah, I'll take a $30 million contract and just take up half my cap. So, so I, it would yeah, make sense if risk. it was a younger a player. It would make sense if there's a, 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 a cap limit where it's like, you could sign this player for at a limit of X amount of dollars for a limit of five years, only if he's an RFA, then it would make sense. But it's just like, if you could do it with anybody, any UFA, then it's just going to be a bidding war between the richest teams. Well, not only that, you also have to find a way to finance the whole thing. Because, again, well, you have to remember, the Ma Major League Baseball has one of the, I, I think in my opinion, one of the best you know deals in terms of not only uh, keeping teams afloat, but allowing you know smaller market teams to continue operating is a reason why you know teams like Tampa Bay are still able to exist in the in major league baseball it's because of revenue sharing so you would luxury wouldn't, tax yeah revenue sharing luxury tax rangers spend this much amount of money on their cap then they had then James Dolan himself has to contribute a certain amount back into the pool in order mm -hmm. for other teams to afford it now the thing with that too is and i think Kevin may have touched on this but i it, you um, can touch on it too. I mean, you can, you can both touch on it. I mean, in, in the in the rules in the rules of this, they say that if a small market team does not opt in, they will be eligible for a luxury tax charged to teams that do use it. So, say the Rangers did take Panarin out of the cap and put him in as the exception player, that and say a small market team, the Coyotes, whoever opts not to put any player in their exception spot. They would get some of that money in the form of like a luxury tax kind of payment, it sounds like to me. So what would happen if, let's say, it's not going to happen, but let's just say the Rangers decide to trade Panarin and he's not on the books. So Panarin, let's just say, 
25 mil. I'm going to use the number Kevin used. Okay, 25 mil. So he decides, they decide they want to, let's say they're going to trade him back to Columbus, right? Okay. So now Columbus can't really afford to put him on that luxury tax thing. Unless Columbus just shifts Panarin into their exception slot. But that's another thing. But, like but, now but how they, are they going to pay for that? that? And now they don't get the luxury tax and, that they want. And then they're going to get, yeah, they're, sure. they're not going to be mean, able look, to get the luxury tax they wanted, like he said, and it puts them in a bind. It's not an ideal thing for everybody, but it would make sense if it's like, if you want to trade an exceptional player, you have to be able to eat like 75% of the 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 off the books yeah. money, and then and, and he's eligible to, make, to go back in the cap. You have you to fit him into the cap. Before you, have, you can trade him, you that yeah. would make the sense. decision of how do I move my cap around? Can I put this player here, or do I even like it, it's it's a, it's more finagling of the cap. Even though the player doesn't involve himself in the cap, it's overall money and how you're going to fit all of these moving parts. Now, the example that Craig Custance gives, because Craig Custance was talking about this in the Athletic, the example that he gives is let's use Taylor Hall. Right now, he's limited to joining teams that can fit another eight to ten million in their cap uh, each season. Assuming the cap is flat, which seems to be the best case scenario for next season, that's not a lot of teams that are eligible to do that. If you introduce this, that changes everything. Custance says the Oilers could bring him back without breaking a sweat. The Chicago Blackhawks could add him for one last Stanley Cup push for their veteran core. Don't you think Jim Rutherford and the Penguins would get involved as well? You could do the same exercises with Alex Petrangelo or Tori Krug on their respective teams. It would be a game changer, and it's fair to say this year's free agents will become the league's highest paid players rather than slotting in wherever they're going to slot. Assuming the exception player could be retroactively affixed to a player, it would, be immediate, it would immediately fix the coming cap headaches for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning, as Kyle Dubas and Julian Brevois could slide whoever they want to into okay. the exception. No, we're not going to do this just for them. Come on. Like that, that's another that's... thing. It's like... You're letting these these teams who have extremely bad cap situations—that's well, their fault. Be able, Which is their, their fault. fault. Yes, their fault. they wanted to be competitive, and it's all power to them. Now you're giving them an out. It should—it's just not fair. No, it's, it's it, not. I, I like the idea, and if the oh, NHL no, I think, restarts, I think, I think it's fair. I think if the NHL restarted next season, where everybody gets to pick their own players all over again, it's. No team has any cap issues. It's a to temporary begin with. measure that, that would work, but it's not something you can implement moving no. forward. It's a good temporary like, no, measure. No, no, it's a good idea. I, I, no, I, I no, I, idea. I actually just, like the idea too. It's just me too. It's temporarily, it's only it's good temporarily, but it's not good for long term purposes because you can again, see te- teams will abuse this to no end. You again, if it. you shouldn't be allowed to. If they want to implement it, which it's realistic, they could do this. It's just yeah, they can't. They shouldn't be allowed to retroactively put on a player that's already on a contract into this exceptional status. No, no. Which that, means Artemi yeah. Perry can't be put there. Which Connor means Austin Matthews or John Tavares can't be. Um, you know, uh, Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos. These guys can't be put there because they had bad cap issues to begin with. Yeah, that's not the player's fault. Right. And it's, right. it's the team's fault. So we're not going to give them an out just because it's like, oh, this is good for we everybody. We feel bad for them, sure. so we're going to give when them it, an out. But if it starts what? in free agency with Taylor Hall, where it's like, okay, every, like, I'm Arizona and I, I want to retain Taylor Hall, but I, I don't want to have, I want to get more pieces. I have Bill Castle to worry about. I have, I don't know, Oliver Ekman Larson to worry about. I want to put him on the side. It's like, okay, Taylor, I'll pay you $15 million right now for the next five years. If you want to stay, I'm going to put you exceptional. Then he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. 
But if if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's like, hey, Victor, hey, Nikita, I'm going to take you off. It's like, no, 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 no. No other team would be like, yeah, that's fair, because now, now they can sign whoever they want. They can keep this amazing team for another two years. And Overheart, also- Overheart makes the point for saying, right now teams like the Maple Leafs and Lightning may have to be broken up eventually, possibly without a championship ring. But he also says that bigger market teams would not just be the only ones that benefit. He goes on to say a team like Winnipeg, that's a small market team, but they have a big market owner. The owner's committed to that team. I don't see how they wouldn't use it either. They maybe wouldn't have had to make the moves they made if this rule is in place. So you're saying an owner who might have a lot of money, even if he owns a small market team and has been limited to what he can do, sees this rule open up and suddenly there are new pathways going forward for his team. Yeah, going forward. Going forward, Not retroactively. No. Oh, no, they're saying even ret- even retroactively. Think about Winnipeg's no, situation. No, Winnipeg situation. I don't care about Winnipeg situation. I don't even care about the Rangers situation. If the Rangers but wanted to pay Artemi Perry $3 more million, dollars, he makes a valid point. I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't. It's just you can't justify giving these teams an out. No, because then it, it defeats the, the purpose the of actually salary, trying to build a team within the limitations all, they're given. The salary cap is not going up $10 million. Well, no. the that's, virus, that's the, the vi- argument the right vi- there. The virus made sure of that. Yes. No, 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 no. no. Yes. But how much? On average, how often? How how high does the salary cap go every year? You About can assume anywhere from four. a million and a half to three. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. It's not yeah. going up ten million dollars. Well, remember, it's not going before, up eleven million dollars. Before this situation happened, there were rumors that the cap could go up to as high as I remember seeing eighty-six, eighty. Well, that was that was that's because they were they were, they were they were anticipating a a very strong playoff with the way things yeah. were going, and apparently the new TV deal they're going to get is apparently supposed to be pretty uh, rich. So that 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 might those that might actually. Things, help the cause here but but just to interject real quick um no i'm gonna do it kevin (laughs) um no uh but it's just i just it doesn't seem feasible for everyone else who puts their team together in a proper way to all of a sudden say oh well Tampa Bay's got themselves a big out because they wanted to spend money on literally everyone. So sucks for like the Montreal Canadiens or the you know yeah. Buffalo Sabers who are actually trying to build a team or Ottawa t- or, or any other team that's like yeah. on the bottom of the standings right now. And and ultimately at the end of the day, like I said, this is this idea is good for the current situation at hand. You want to keep a team together. We have a little bit of a stopgap or we have a little bit of a problem here. This is perfect for it. But moving forward, every team should continue to abide by the rules that were set forth after the lockout and have to hope and pray that this new TV deal will allow the cap to go up a little more. I think the TV deal will help it go up significantly. It's just I can see in the future, five, ten years down the line, this being a viable option for new, newly signed players where you want to keep them completely separate from your roster, where it means no trading, no demoting. You have to pay them the amount. There's no, like, bonuses. There's Everything's nothing guaranteed. That, nothing's guaranteed. Like, the only thing that's guaranteed is your money. Yep. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to trade the guy, that means you have to eat the X amount of money that you want, that you need to, to make sure this guy is tradable. Because if you want it to work, the guy has to go back on the team. The cap hit has to make sure that's like, you got to pay the guy $6 million. He'll only get that $6 million, and then he'll get that other money retroactively whenever. He, whenever It's just you can't justify giving these teams 
this out. I'll say it again, and I'll. Like, I like the idea. I like oh the no, idea. it's a novel idea. It's just. It's just. Russell, you got to realize it's not. It's not realistic. Going forward. <laughs> the New York Rangers are a big market team, so I love it. Anyway. Whoa! <laughs> like, it, Bias. It's, it's not Great. just the Rangers. No, it's not. It's, because oh. then, let's say next year, Russell. Let's say the Rangers All make right, the look. playoffs, and now Tampa Bay. It's like. Oh man, they didn't have to deal with any cap constraints because they put Nikita Kucherov in an exceptional status, which means they're fine. It's like great. Now I have to play a team that should have been broken up last year. I think an interesting way to look at this would be to see just how much before you even implement any of this would be looking at how much some of these owners can actually spend. How much money do these owners that own these teams actually have? Because the guy that just bought the Coyotes, I forget his name, but he, I think Alex. Um, Alex something, but point being, because of what he is doing, they're building a new arena closer to downtown Phoenix. The plan is finally starting to get into motion now down there. Um, Vinny Viola, rich owner. Um, I believe he owns the Florida Panthers. You're talking about guys that have a lot of money. It's Alex Marullo. Marullo, thank you. But point being, a lot of these owners, I feel like you guys are kind of shortchanging the owners in the league a little bit. They have a lot of money to own a sports but franchise and if they just the willing, salaries of the players though it's the upkeep of the arena it's the salary of management right now we are talking about the salary of one player and if the owner has the money to do it and if the owners agreed on it because the owners all have a crap ton of money let's be real well, here they're not they're not just they sometimes they're not multiple owners too yeah it's, it's right. multiple it's owners even if you're part of an ownership minority majority owners have to approve it and not only that, I, I, there are some owners the that are just... players have to approve it, too. Yeah. You're forgetting right. that. This you is have not to get this by the this NHLPA. This is not something that would go by quickly. I'm saying that you guys are... I, I like all the points you guys are making because I don't think the small market teams would go for it. But at the same time, these dudes have a lot of money. But the point I'm trying to make is this, Russell. Yes, these guys have a lot of money, but they don't just... Some of them are not just sitting on a bunch of money in their offices just throwing it around Not everybody's jerry jones you have yeah you yeah, have you also you have to understand maintenance of facilities manager salaries part-time and full-time salaries um you also have to look at other investments that they have because sometimes these owners don't just own one thing you know they NHL also have affiliates. they uh, you have to often you also have to look at uh you know signing bonuses uh ahl affiliates uh, you know, uh, money that comes out of their pockets for, you know, for losses, you know, I'm not an economist by any means whatsoever, but they're not just sitting on a bunch of money. The money has to be circulated in order for their worth to continue. They right. have to keep, they have to keep circulating in it. And $25 million may not seem like a lot when it comes to signing a player, but if you're trying to use $25 million off the books for something that could be used to otherwise be used to either keep the arena upgraded or allow the team to stay in one spot, then, you know, you're hurting those owners themselves. Like, how many times have NHL teams have had to relocate, move, or fold because of them not having enough money to operate the team itself? Hartford was a perfect example of this. Peter Carmanos did, wanna, did not want to keep them in Hartford because he felt that they were operating at a loss, and they frankly were operating at a loss. Same that, thing happened in true. Quebec The, the and and in 95 in when they everybody wanted to keep the team in Quebec – they were the the value of the Canadian dollar was at its lowest, and 
the the nothing was really helping them out financially. Those guys were rich. Those Quebec owners, they were rich, but they could not see a sustainable model in keeping the team in Quebec at the time. And as even to say the same goes for uh, Winnipeg. Uh, so not all of them are just sitting on a pile of money. And if they are, they're either either being a very greedy with it, or b they're using that money to put it back into the team. NHL franchises are not some franchises are not that big, you know. Columbus, they're well, they have. Why we hear Arizona? It's like, oh, Arizona might move to Seattle. Arizona might move to Quebec. Yeah, well, Arizona might big, move somewhere else. It's, it's, the big thing with Arizona is Arizona moving to Houston, possibly. Which no, 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 no. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm just using an example. Be, we hear right. rumors of these teams, but again, moving constantly. I'm not. I'm not talking about dudes just sitting on money. I'm talking about guys that. They, yes, they have their investments. They need to pay their employees. They need to pay their players. They need Yes, all of that needs to happen. I agree 100%. But I'm sure that if you have a player that's like, yo, $15 million to a guy. Okay, let's use an example here. Let's use an example here. That's not from – that's not Jim Dolan. That's not whoever owns the Leafs. Okay. Give me, give me a team that you guys don't think could float it right now. Florida Wild Panthers. Up. Okay, Florida Panthers. No, no, Ottawa's a better example, actually. Ottawa. Okay, the Ottawa. So, so Melnick, right? Eugene Melnick. Network. Oh, he's doing the research. Oh, he's ty- on he's typing okay. on the podcast. Oh man, I'm doing research right here because all I'm hearing. Is- okay, so the Ottawa Senators, right? People don't think whatever on them. What do you guys think Eugene Melnick's net worth is right now? His net worth. I what do you say- think? What do you think Eugene Melnick's net net worth is? I would say, I don't know, uh, six hundred million Canadian dollars. Okay, JL. I don't know. Uh, hmm. JL, stop looking it up. No, I'm looking it up. I don't care. Oh, <laughs> I'm man, looking, it looking it up. Before he ruins it, Russ. What is it? Eugene Melnick's net net worth as of February nineteenth, twenty twenty, is one point two billion dollars. Okay. Now. Obviously that's, that, that's let, under let the assumption point. Let that he has here. other businesses to yes, worry about. Exactly. Yes, sure. He probably has other things he has with that fortune. He obviously has other things he has to worry about. But Ottawa being a case, people are always saying relocate, Quebec, uh, Saskatchewan, all these other places where people say in Canada that could use a team. There the Videotron Center is up and going in Quebec City. But that relocation is besides our uh, conversation. Um point being I'm not saying that they don't have other things to worry about, but these dudes have money. And if the owners really did think about this and this was proposed, it's doable. Oh, I, okay. It's doable. It's a doable option. There has to be like millions of safeguards where it's, it's not just one team outbidding everybody for that one player. Where they're just giving them a one-year deal, know, you, forty you million dollars. You say all these teams doing this, you only get one. It's no, no, not. I, it's I not as if this is the that. Wild no, no. West again, and there's that's no salary why, cap. No, no, I understand that. Well, that's why I said the yeah. word safeguard, where it's like yeah. you might need a minimum and a maximum for term. You might need a minimum or a maximum for you know your the cash value of the player. They said no minimum for contract value currently. There's nothing about contract length, but there's no minimum for contract value right Okay, now. so you could pay the guy a dollar and make him sure. expe- exceptional. And you make him exception, but, yeah. <laughs> but there should be a maximum also. That's where like the small market should weigh in where it's like based off of the salary cap, you're allowed to pay the guy 
50% or, you know, 30% of what the salary cap is and reach it at that. I think, that's, then, a qual- I think that's a good safeguard. That's, set, that's, set a max, sure. Set a max. It does make other teams competitive. It allows teams that are cap crunched to still be competitive that next year. It's just... And it for, allows small market teams to, be to a, hold for, on to their elite talent. It does. No, I, I agree. It's just... And it does allow the the bigger market franchises to, you know, pay the big bucks that they want to. At the end of the day, though, this is this is an a this is an idea that makes sense for the revenue at this moment. But the second everything starts to get back to normal, where does this idea go? This right. idea, it, this it, idea, this doesn't even be proposed. It, now, it should be proposed. Chances are, this idea would never get through because, as Custance writes in his article, he spoke about this to a general manager. The general manager remains. That he wouldn't put his name down for obvious reasons. You don't want to be talking about this. But before Craig Cousins even finished explaining the rules, he shot it down. The general manager said, we have a system. Anything that gives the players more than 50% is a non-starter. There's no owner that would want this. Gary won't even listen. So, obviously, <laughs> things so don't feel... Okay, hold on. You made us go through this whole thing. No, listen, listen, you got to be kidding board, me. And he's like, you know what? Gary oh. Bettman won't even what? be on board. Oh, he won't even... Well, What are we talking about here? How other things need to be added into it to make it so that this could be talked about. And that's the important thing here. But the owners would never go for that. That's the thing. You know, (laughs) that's that's, that's something that I've never quite understood about the NHL, why they refuse to accept a luxury tax. It's because they they don't want... First of all, you play in two different countries. With two different values, where you can maybe sure. accept, you can like, oh, Toronto Raptors, you know, they play the NBA, and you have, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays with the MLB. It's a, it's one team. That is how many teams in total? Seven Ca- Canadian teams. Canadian teams. Uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, Montreal. Montreal. Okay, seven. I was right. So mm-hmm. you have seven teams. So it does make up a considerable amount of your, of your, you know, teams in your league. About a roughly. A little less than a third of the league is Canadian. regardless. Regardless, money is a factor, and whatever it is, exchange it is. But, rate also plays a part too. Absolutely, I, absolutely. I, I'll finish with this, and I think we should just wrap it up here. Yes, because JL is giving us the the look. Um, <laughs> it's Boy. ideas like this that do make the NHL more interesting. It absolutely. makes it more dynamic. And I agree with Russell. For some reason, the NHL owners don't want to embrace change. Yeah, to improve I agree with that. Yeah. The league, and that's what it's going to come down to. Until yeah. they want to accept different terms, until the new CBA comes out, and they're like, "Hey, we want to implement this for the players." Oh, but we want to implement this for the owners. You're never going to get any of this change. Exactly. So, I want to finish with this question for the two of you. Oh boy. Let's say the let's say the league does start on June first, as you know, John Scott did predict. Almighty John Scott, hail John Scott. Um, <laughs> if it were to resume on June 1st, how would you like it to resume? Would you want the season to finish? Granted, this would be, you know, the remote locations, teams playing each other in a very shortened schedule, not a lot of movement. Or would you rather see the 2014 playoff? Uh, Russell, let's start with you. JL, okay. I will go and then we'll finish. Um, I think that... And I'm not just saying this because we're out of the playoffs. I'm saying this because of other teams that are in the hunt in the West as well. Uh, I think every team needs to be given a fair shot. Um, I think that if you're getting close, you have, you've earned your opportunity to try to make the playoffs. There are 82 games for a reason. There are not 70 games. There are not 60 games. There are 82 games in the National Hockey League for a reason. 
We currently are stopped around the 69, 70, 71 mark for certain teams. That leaves 10 games left for things to change. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can be sure if they went right to the playoffs, there would be a lot of owners and a lot of general managers that would be very, very upset. And Jim Dolan would be one of them because the New York Rangers were the hottest team in the league when this all kind of shot down or one of the hottest teams in the league when it got shot down. So I want the regular season to finish. Yes, Kevin. You know that 24 teams mean the Rangers make it, right? I thought you were talking about just going to playoffs. As no, 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 no. I said 24 teams oh. make the playoffs. Sure. I think you need to have a playoff, normal playoffs. I don't think the teams at the top will enjoy 24 because they'll see it as they've worked their asses off all season. And now a bunch of teams that probably shouldn't be in the playoffs are in the playoffs. So finish the regular season, get to your 16, start the Stanley Cup playoffs. Fair enough, JL. Uh, I like 24 uh, team playoff, but the best case scenario is just finish the regular season. Not only for all the reasons that Russell stated, but if the NHL is really trying to get some revenue back, you got to make sure you get it from the TV stations and you want to finish out the regular season. 82 games is 82 games. These guys fought for it. It's a tough time. You got to write it out. Got you, you can't just, it, it, you don't want it to be a cop out when you start again. Finish out the season, go into the playoffs. I, I, I agree. I agree with that idea, but I also think if they did have 24 teams in a few locations, it would ultimately decrease the amount of infection that could potentially happen if they do start too early. Well, if it's the safest also, route, then also obviously it's optimal. No owner besides, you know, the money they would make from the TV deals it wouldn't be substantial enough where they could charge people money because no one's going to be going to no the games. No one's going to the games. No That's matter true. what scenario it's going to be, no one is going to these games Which sucks. until next year. That's probably gonna what, what it's going to be. And unfortunately, we have to watch hockey from the confines of our home Hey, if it even comes back. Hey, I'll take it. I need I'll some. I need some live sports in my life, man. Literally, I will watch basketball <laughs> yeah. again if it means I can watch sports. Yeah, hey, hey, hey. that's a bit hey, of a stretch. Don't. The NBA has been a lot better since the, the two super teams got broken it's up. It's LeBron versus hey. anybody else. <laughs> it's not true, though. It's really not true. And, no, I, and look, man. Whatever, I was, man. Yeah. Hey, man. Sure. Look. Look, you want to talk about small market teams? The Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, okay all no, right. No, no, all the right. podcast is over. Okay, let's mm-hmm. end Thank it. Thank you for joining us. It is powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. ForeverBlueShirts.com. And uh, let's go Rangers. You've been listening to 4B Radio, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. going on you have john wangland one of the hosts of wrestling with reality check out our shows this week on wrestling with reality we have some great shows we have our mma show we look at 
Is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling with Reality on all major podcast outlets. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby.